0: What would you do if you Captain knew the world cigarettes. was going to end? Watch.
1: What would I do?
2: What would you do? Smoke cigarettes, watch Captain Kangaroo.
1: We hooked him. That's it. I'd play solitaire till one with a deck of fifty-one. Would you? Is that what you would yeah. do? That's a really catchy song, y'all. It is.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, watching Deep Impact uh, this weekend, especially uh, with everything that's going on, um, does does make you go, "Well, I guess this is what I'm doing with the end of the world." Is watching Into the World movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. find comfort in them. I do. I find them kind of cathartic, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like so you've got like the last week to do whatever you <sighs> want to do?
1: Maybe go see the
2: things I've always wanted yeah, to see. You, yeah. You've seen Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, right? I have not. Oh, God, we got to do that on this show sometime. Uh, yeah.
1: Probably that, yeah, probably a road trip. Go see uh, all the weird shit people are getting up to.
0: Okay, I'm. I'm just. Yeah, I don't know what I
1: would do. I mean, go find the foods I've always wanted to try, the restaurants I've always wanted to go to, or something like that. Yeah,
2: it kind of depends on how the rest of
1: society. Assuming handles everyone else wants yeah, to keep serving you
2: food. Well, and this is why I like seeking a friend for the end of the world because it accepts an apocalypse where pretty much everybody's uh, trying to get get along to get along. It's kind of nice.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's hmm.
2: just accepted the
0: the certainty of their death. So yeah, we've got a week left, it's Monday, Monday is the day we do the recycling, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: Um, geez, let's see. Uh, i probably going to find a huge party at least once. Um, I haven't been to a rager since I was a much younger man, and that feels like something i got to do one more time. Um, I, yeah, I guess road trip with the missus again, I don't know, I don't, yeah, we ain't got kids, yeah. like, I, don't, I, don't yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like Yellowstone? I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Way like. too far. Been there, done that. No, we are, we're assuming like a big impact sort of situation. Yeah, like yeah. Definitely no chance of survival. Right. Yeah, yeah, probably going to party really hard. And See, uh, I, get some Facetime with all the people I like.
0: Because I'm thinking like Yellowstone slash Yosemite yeah. and like, yeah, okay, sure. boy, we're going to try to get up the top of this thing. And if we don't, whatever.
2: Uh, I might try to blow something What's it up.
0: What's going to do? <laughs> I mean, we'll die, but we're yeah. going to be dead in three days anyway, yeah. so. Yeah,
2: well, that's why I said I might blow something up. Also, just to give our NSA caseworker something to keep them busy. Oh, yeah, there um, you go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look what are you, what are you going to do? Make fireworks? That sounds like a good way to spend the last. I mean, how long do you? How long do we have? A month? A year? A week? Uh, let's say we've got a week. Well, initially, oh you god, have, too
1: much chaos. Ooh, that's initially, you one. have three years. Yeah, and then you have two years, yeah. <laughs> and then roughly another year. Okay. So um, I don't know.
2: Well, and that's really uh, the situation we find ourselves in, huh? <laughs> well, we've got some time left. And then, Ryan, right unclear, when you think how it's how all ending, the day saved. Oh yeah, like that movie, The Mist. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so like the mist. do you, this is see this is actually the the world I hope for Arthur is like everybody thinks the world's going to end, certainly, and everybody uh, you know that's normally living their, uh, their their freak life in the closet comes out with their freak flag flying, and then they're just like the rest of us. Um, when the world doesn't end.
0: I think that would be fun. See, do you hedge your bets for the Messiah to come through? See, that's the thing. Yes,
2: but I would hedge my bets for the Messiah coming through. Wait, the, the Messiah literally or the spaceship? The spaceship. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't hold a. up. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't believe the spaceship at all. I would believe in the return of the biblical Messiah before I believed the United the States space- would save me with a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me?
0: Elon Musk, SpaceX, they're up in the... You know, they're doing the thing right now.
2: Uh, There's a really good line and uh, a a bit of programming, I'll mention my syllabus later in the show, uh, about how billionaires are pretending that we're all going to get to go to space, and uh, I think about that a lot when SpaceX teams up with NASA.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, there you go, dear listener. Welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast. We gather around a table you'll n- and discuss a film you'll never discuss in a film. I sure course. do know how
2: to set the energy for the opening of the podcast.
0: And uh, <laughs> today's film is Deep Impact. Yeah,
2: the other uh, asteroid movie from
0: 1998. The Not Armageddon. And so we're going to talk about Not Armageddon uh, for a while now. And uh, I'm still Dustin.
2: I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton, and I I also, much like Elijah Wood, hope a comet will be named after me someday.
0: Yes. um, I hope the same will happen for you as well. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to call her Dottie because she's a – well, anyway. It's Uh, only
1: fitting that Stuart brings around the end of the world. I'm saying, so.
0: Yeah, there you go. So, um, in case you're tuning in for the Good Trash genre cast for the very first time, uh, we want to warn you, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that means we're going to spoil the ending. And uh, yeah, If we... you want to
2: talk about what a movie's about, you kind of have to talk about what happens in it.
0: Yeah, and so um, whether or not they're able to avoid the asteroid is going to be a thing that comes up, and we're going to kind of avoid that as best we can. Um, we'll avoid it more when we are doing our um, reviews. We'll avoid it less. Now, when we Now, Dustin, you just told me that this isn't a review show. What do you mean we're going to do a review? We're going to review just to talk about what we like about the movie. Just ah, I see. That makes sense. To baby-step our listener in.
2: I'm pretending this is my first episode as well.
0: And then I'm going to move into a syllabus in which I expand uh, thinking about this movie and other movies of its ilk. Mm. Uh, whatever ilks it may happen to have. Mm. And uh, at at that point, we might spoil it a little bit more. And now that's the,
2: that segment of the show is called Expanding the Syllabus. Correct. Now, what an interesting title for a segment. Why do you call it that?
0: Because we're expanding the syllabus, like I said. My but but why a syllabus? A syllabus because we're doing academic kind of stuff. Oh, well, that's an interesting hook for your podcast show. My podcast show? I'm oh also boy. pretending this is the first podcast I've ever heard of. I'm trying okay. to keep up with a bit. All right, moving right along. <laughs> We'll get down to business, and we'll do real deal analysis, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. Oh, well, that sounds like a fun segment. It Well, it's, it, it's the, it is the creme de la creme. It's really the climax of what we're going for. So Interesting. Everything else is foreplay getting us there. Ah, for the I last see.
1: six weeks, he took over the show completely, and now he's pretending he's never listened to it as a whole new
0: character. In his entire life. Arthur, times are a change, and this is the new normal. I gotta get everybody acclimated to, to the world we live in now. <laughs> So, Arthur is going to begin with a synopsis, which will be, I don't know what it will be in terms of
1: spoilers, but um, Arthur's going to do the thing, and I'm going to trust him. So go ahead, Arthur, do the thing. A project more than 20 years in the making, Deep Impact, is the other asteroid movie from the 98. A young boy discovers something unusual in the sky. Turns out it's an asteroid with an Earth-destroying trajectory, as they are. Uh, the astronomer with this information passes away in an accident. A year later... A young reporter confronts the Secretary of State about his premature resignation. She believes it's connected to a woman named Ellie. Turns out it's actually an extinction-level event, and the president finally has a plan.
0: That's an E-L-E, Ellie.
1: Earth's last hope is a group of astronauts aboard the Messiah who hope to drop a nuke and push the asteroid off course.
2: It literally has the exact same plot as Armageddon.
1: Yes. Yes. Now, Arthur,
2: you said 20 years in the making. That's news to me.
1: Yeah, so uh, this was a project that was initially started kind of in the 70s, some ideas to get around. Uh, Spielberg was initially attached to direct this. I had seen that. Um, he had uh, gotten the rights to Hammer of the Gods, Arthur C. Clarke, mm. um, and then just kind of kismet. Everything kind of came together that they got to this point of the project with the impact and were able to kind of move away from that source material. There was another, I think, a true story story. Uh, uh, the asteroid that hit Jupiter. I can't remember. Yeah, I a- saw this.
2: There was somebody that had actually discovered a comet and then died shortly thereafter. Yeah,
1: so there's kind of an amalgamation of different materials here. Um, but when Spielberg realized he couldn't get uh, his schedule to work to get this done, they brought in Mimi Letter. Nice. And we've got Deep Impact as we know it in 98. So, that's kind of a Spielberg
2: classic. He He's a big buying-up-the-rights-to-stuff guy oh, yeah. just to sit on it. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that, though.
0: Fun, fun. Well, fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. Hey, Arthur, what do you think about this movie? Is it fun to watch?
1: Go. I didn't really care for it. Um, I think overall it has a great look. I, I think it mostly holds up. The, the minimal uh, CG special effects that we do get, I think, mostly work. There's that final shot in front of the uh, White House uh, with a big CGI crowd uh, where you can kind of see those 98 graphics at, at play. But I think overall, though, it, it does hold up fairly well in that regard. Um, I, just uh, the big thing for me is the time jumps. Um, this is a movie that really fails to capture the urgency of the situation. I mm. feel like mm. in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, you know we have uh, uh, an example is somebody says we have twenty minutes before the rocket's impact, and then, then the jump cut to they failed. Like, the timing is really odd in a almost comic sense. Uh, there's a lot of beats that feel very comedy, yeah, adjacent sure. that don't land as comedy because they're played for drama, and it never quite works for me. Um, also, that idea of the um, the kind of misunderstanding of Ellie is kind of very comical, but then it's not played for laughs in the way you'd expect it to be. And so some of those things just don't quite work uh, for me. Um, I think there's just I, I think this could have used a little more time to kind of serve the characters a little better. Well, and I apparently
2: there was a lot more um, Lily Sobieski and uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, at an earlier I think cut. test
1: audiences or something didn't like it and they cut it or something along those uh, lines.
2: Yeah, as they often.
1: do. Yeah, but I th- you know I think getting to sit with some of these characters a little more might have helped or mm-hmm. having a stronger anchor. Um, I, I think Duvall has the best arc of anybody. I think he's got the strongest character yes. arc in the movie, uh, bar none.
2: I actually kind of like Tay Leone's arc, but we'll get to it. I don't think
1: it works. Um, <laughs> I think Cromwell is criminally underused here. I, oh, I would God, have gone for yeah. a lot more James Cromwell. Correct. Um, I mean, that'll do, Pig, but give me some more. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I think overall it's just really tonally confused in, in what it's trying to attempt. I, I know it's trying to be a little more thoughtful, obviously, than Armageddon, which would come out a few months later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more of, you know... Waxing poetic about what would you do in the end times, and yeah. that that idea, and I don't think it ever quite captures that uh, for me in a successful way. Uh, it gets really absurd. The Sobieski Elijah Wood stuff gets real weird, little kooky yeah. little kooky. and I just I can't buy into a lot of. What How they're going old for. are they? Uh, I mean, they've twelve to fifteen. Well, here's the okay. Okay, oh, yeah.
0: twelve to fifteen is a huge range. Here's because... the thing: the year
2: this movie comes out, Elijah Wood's getting ready to go to New Zealand. Right, like that's yeah. Some, yeah. Or, or yeah. yeah, So
0: he would have been.
2: I mean, Elijah Woods. Between you and me, I think Dustin and I'm eight when this movie. So he's at least probably actually like fifteen, sixteen when they shoot the movie. But you're right that it's very unclear because Legally Sobieski and Elijah Wood at this time in their lives are both in a very
1: awkward growing phase where it is completely unclear how old they are. And they got that real Romeo and Juliet thing going. I kind of makes sense, but it doesn't fit. I don't know. It's weird. And then I, the way that kind of culminates and climaxes with. It's so where clear it their
2: part of the movie got messed with. It's yeah. real
1: weird, uh, but if you're a Veronica Mars fan, uh, there's yeah, a real Jason fun Doring, little bit. yeah, yeah. there is a real fun bit at an assembly. Uh, Did you see that that was improv? Yep. According to the trivia, yeah, uh, which is really that. fun. Um, so that's uh, cute if you're a fan of that. Apparently, show.
0: if you find out we're all going to die, you're going to have a lot of sex.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, probably. Fame gets you laid. That is yeah, an, that's the an arguable fact. hypothesis. Yeah. And you know what? You <laughs> look at wrong. look
2: at Elijah Wood. Think about how famous he is, and you tell me if that guy gets laid that much. If he's not Frodo Baggins. Yeah. That's all I'm
1: saying. This is my I theory. Mean, Toby McGuire?
2: I mean, yeah, but he's a sociopath. So that probably, like, that's the whole He's probably using, like, a Dennis method it's a whole situation. Thing. Yeah. Elijah Wood seems like a nice guy, though. Yeah, he does seem He seems, sweet seems like a guy. nice boy. He seems like a sweetheart. He seems sweet.
1: Uh, and I don't, I just don't care for Taylor Leone at all in this movie. I, I think she's just so wooden. And I don't think her arc works. Uh, she's, man, I. She's got such a frustrating career. Lily Sobieski, too, speaking oh, of. But, uh, t- when I was a teenager, uh, yeah, Lelia Sobieski was... Uh, she's a cutie. Oh, Glass House. I don't um, know if you've ever seen the thriller Glass House. I have not seen the thriller Glass uh, House. I've missed it. Uh, with Lily Sobieski, and she... Uh, Big moment for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, but- yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Tay I like a lot normally, but she's... I don't know that she's wrong for the the part, but there is,
2: yeah, I agree, there's something amiss with just kind of her section of the film. Yeah,
1: and Dustin mentioned the writing being off for her, and that may be it, but yeah. I just, I can't, I'm not sold on anything. She she does remind me, though, a lot of Nick Cage in her delivery and performance. Interesting. The way she, just like, even her vocal tones, like, she sounds a lot like Nick. I she's think. got a cool voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking a lot of Nick Cage, and obviously they do Family Man together around this time, I think, mm. um, which is kind of fun. But overall yeah, I'm, I'm just I think it's too much of a mess for me I, I just don't I didn't I, I thought it was paced well and I you know I wasn't mad, I sat through it I feel like it moves pretty well, mm-hmm. but I just I was like, eh, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not sold on this one
0: Fair enough, fair enough, thank you very much for that. Mr. Arthur Gordon Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you think of deep impact?
1: I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's the 2020 of
2: it all. But I I found this to be uh, maybe just about the saddest damn thing I've watched in months. Um, There was uh, a melancholy to this film that I really appreciated. And there's also a very pre 9-11 90s Hollywood optimism to it that combining those those factors together uh, made the film really resonate with me. Uh, in a way that I don't think I was expecting it to, uh, and I was kind of aware that uh, for the last few years there's been something of a uh, second wind reevaluation of this film that there there were some people kind of carrying a torch for it, uh, so I was vaguely aware of that, but I, I had no real frame of reference for it other than that that some people uh, kind of like it more than uh you know it got a fair shake uh, on its release in terms of just kind of getting eaten by Armageddon. I'm uh, just kind of being a film people forgot about. Um, so I was kind of aware of that. But again, I just kept finding my myself struck with uh, sadness watching this film. And again, there's a good chance that's just all of the things going on in the world and the, the fantasy of a competent government response to you know large scale catastrophe just as a, a 90s ice cream for me. Uh, but yeah, I just really like it, uh, and not just because it uh, made my uh, my theory about how the '90s were the '50s all over again in terms of Hollywood movies. Uh, although that said, my theory just continues to hold more and more water, fellas. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, I I'm much more swept up in this than you are, Arthur. Uh, I agree. There there is some some tonal stuff that's weird. Uh, but I kind of like that about it. That that opening scene where Elijah Wood like spots the comet has like a great deal of whimsy mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, uh, and to kind of juxtapose that with the the astronomer realizing the trajectory of the comet that Elijah Woods uh, discovered, um, I don't know. I kind of like that juxtaposition of the opening. Uh, I agree that there is a weird lack of urgency in parts of this film, but I think the urgency of that scene kind of communicates. Uh, for me as, an, uh, as a viewer, like, okay, this is a real uh, bomb under the table, you know, dramatic irony situation. I'm freaking out and nobody else is. And that's kind of how I, uh, I guess, parsed it. Because I, I think that the whole sequence is kind of uh, full of really interesting human flaws and human error uh, that really do set the stage for the rest of the film. And I think maybe that is what I like about this film so much is despite its... Uh, very to me, uh, '90s optimism. Uh, there is something kind of realistic about it. In the in, uh, at least compared to something like Armageddon, which I've you know seen quite a few times. Uh, this just has like a, a appreciation for the realities of human error uh, and a much more stripped down clinical procedural style um, that I don't know for for me really really works. Uh, and it's easy to say, oh well, this is smart Armageddon, aren't we a bunch of dumb uh, shitty Americans that this was this movie kind of went. Uh, came and went from theaters and Armageddon became a huge hit. I don't know. I don't think it's that simple. I, there is kind of a boringness to this movie. I will agree with you there, Arthur. But there's something about it that I find really interesting. Obviously, the procedural element appeals to me. That's kind of in my, my wheelhouse uh, for filmmaking. But the, it just feels quite a bit ahead of its time to me for some reason. Uh, it's something Mimi Letter is doing that does feel... Um, kind of ahead of the curve of ho- of what the rest of Hollywood's doing at the time. I mean, there is a, a distinct of its timeness to this film, but in terms of the sort of scale that the film presents, uh, again, tay Leone, I agree, her, her character's plot is kind of jumbled, but it is also the character we spend the most time with uh, of, of the three leads. And I think, I don't know, I kind of appreciate how many sort of back channels and offshoots that story has, because it kind of lets... The revelation of what the, the plot of the film is going to be be a revelation for that 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 central protagonist. And I kind of like how that story unfolds, uh, because you're, you're like, oh, who's this person? Okay, she's talking to her mom now. Okay, so this is a work interview. Okay, and so the, this kind of unfolding of scenes that she has to sort of get the the exposition and inciting incident stuff sort of out of the way in that first act. I don't know. I, I go for it, and I, I go for that sort of large net that uh, Letter casts in terms of. Uh, giving these kind of one off characters who maybe have a scene and a half some real kind of interesting depth, uh, especially like James Cromwell, as you said, really underused. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, also really underused. But I think those characters are, are kind of given some life within the margins of the film uh, in a way that feels a, a little ahead of its time to me. I, I also made note of that incredible Jason Doring uh, uh, spotting uh, Arthur. It's, it was one of my uh, most beloved moments of the film, truly. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. The. The whole thing just really works for me. I, I also Arthur and kind of sucked into Duvall's story arc. Um, th- there's a whole lot of stuff about like the past failures with astronauts uh, that, that is interesting. And uh, without getting too much into the narrative beats of the film, there's some really great stuff with the astronauts in this that I, I think oh, I just kind of dig. I, I dig the whole thing about it. And, and uh, I have been sort of critical lately on this show. I think of the optimism of the 90s, and for some reason it works for me here, uh, unlike any other film we've covered this year. and I feel like we've covered a lot of 90s joints the last 12 months, um, but this this one was a real surprise to me. Every time we revisit a movie that uh, is kind of forgotten, I get excited for maybe uh, on the show we're going to de- discuss a hidden gem, and
0: uh, I don't know. That is what Deep Impact is for me. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, I think the reason why I like this movie is because of its procedural, um, journalistic kind of frame. It does uh, it for you, too, huh? The only thing works for me because it does make it sort of mundane. Mm. I mean, we are alive in 2020, in which we have experienced a <sighs> pandemic. Massive uh, social upheaval. Uh, impeachment of a president. Uh, you know, massive uh sort of unrest due to police brutality, murder hornets. Um, we could go on. It's been a year. It it has been this weird, quite kind of, a doozy. It's been it, six months. Fuck me. And yet, it's just sort of like you know we're just kind of keeping on, keeping on. And there's a way in which the events, as Taylor Leone discovers them, it is news breaking, and it is you know, sort of, like, worthy of attention, and yet it's sort of weirdly mundane?
2: Well, to sidebar, Dustin, you, you, you asked Arthur and I, like, what do we do if we you know the world's going to end? And we kind of had mundane answers for you. And I, I do like that the film assumes that there is a sort of boring business-as-usualness. Uh, and again, the strong leadership uh, uh, that, uh, that, that, that this film presents... I think is what makes that possible. Morgan Freeman
0: helps that help and happen.
2: It doesn't yeah. certainly feel like a fiction now. Um mm-hmm. but I I I don't know. There is something sort of like, well, yeah, I guess if everybody knows that there's a good chance it's a it's a total fifty fifty shot, life will continue as normal or we'll all die. Then yeah, I guess you kinda do soldier on limping forward going, Well, yeah I guess I hope this works out which as you yeah, as you pointed out, Dustin is not. I guess that far removed from our own lives at the moment,
0: and so I mean I think that correlation with reality uh, yeah. makes it interesting, and uh, and I will say this: it is in a, in that sense, grown ups Armageddon, because Armageddon is all full of flash and bang, and you know, following our sort of a uh, space, you know, roughnecks and uh, doing this sort of thing where you're drilling into the asteroids. Well, because yeah, Deep
2: Impact refuses the the proposition that Armageddon makes, which is that it's easier to teach.
0: Uh Rough drillers nears. and how to be astronauts. <laughs> Deep impact goes, Yeah, these these people are already scientists. Right. It's fine. Having grown up around roughnecks, no. Uh, I mean, you know, deep uh, deep impact makes far more sense than okay. Armageddon. This is literally the plot of Space Force. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Well, okay. Fair enough. But So so there's that. And it is sort of the sort of, like, the end of the world makes you eat your vegetables mm-hmm. kind of story. And the end of the world is this. So we've got a plan for who's going to live and who's going to die in terms of an art kind of colony and the sort of machinations and bureaucracies that are necessary in order to accomplish that. And we've got people, like, dealing with there are sort of personal family issues. And uh, Vanessa Redgrave, um, who is underused, I guess, to an extent in the film. I A mean, lot her, of great
2: reaction shots,
0: though. Her arc, though, is perfect. Yeah. It's exactly what you'd expect. But unexpectedly entertaining, you know, not entertaining, but involving, you know, uh, sort of investing. I feel that way about a lot of the side characters yeah. in this film, yeah. And so, I mean, it works for me on on that level. And so, uh, I mean, yes, it is probably a, a less watchable film than Armageddon, but it's probably also more true. And so, to that extent, I like it more. Sure, but would I rather watch Armageddon? Sure, yeah. Give me some, you know. Steven Tyler and <laughs> Duras. Yeah, I mean, there, there are reasons why that movie was as successful as it was. I mean uh, just Animal in terms Crackers. Of animal Crackers and charisma for days for specific actors. Um,
2: well, I mean, Benny did get those uh, those new teeth for that movie, you know. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, I mean, he got some fucking dental work done. After he got his first big movie paychecks, yeah, they put a damn astronaut smile on his face so he could be, uh, he had some movie star. I still, yeah, look, he he doesn't return my phone calls, but I still know Benny from the Bay. <laughs> You know who he is. F- Old Bean Town yeah. you know. <laughs> this is my new character, a guy that uh, knew Ben Affleck uh, in
0: Boston. Okay. All right. That was adorable.
2: I thought you would like it. You
0: know? I am so appreciative. <laughs> Do you feel it?
2: No. No, I don't.
0: I- unappreciated my time, as always. But that being said, um, I think on that sort of like realism Sort of placing yourself in terms of the fabula of the story, register it, it really, really works. Um, despite the fact that it's not particularly entertaining, insofar as it's like this kind of interesting thought experiment of that particular moment. And so, for that, it's a success, but you know, again, when you measure it up against 1998's Armageddon, yeah, not nearly as much fun, but also a different kind of. I'm not going to say cerebral pleasure, but a different kind of register in terms of just, you know, um, some of those like primal kind of reactive uh, senses towards it. So, uh, yeah, I like it a lot, but yeah, it doesn't quite. It's not the same thing. So you say it's exactly the same plot as Armageddon. Yeah, but it's not the same movie at all. And, and that's, I think, the thing that makes it a very interesting case study. Right. So, um, there you go. Those are my thoughts, um, regarding, uh, this particular film. Let's go ahead and expand the syllabus though. Arthur, what do you say? How would you teach this film in a class? Would
1: you teach with Armageddon? I would because I want to talk about twin movies. Oh yes. Ooh, Arthur, I'm so excited. This is the, uh, kind of phenomenon where two movies come out within the same year, roughly, uh, discussing... We're not uh, talking about same. mock busters no, here, right? No, You're talking not transmorphers. We're not talking about transmorphers. Big, yeah. talk about transmorphers talking about we're talking studio about studio films. Yeah, that have very similar uh, thematic connections or plots or characters. Um, and so this comes out the same year as Armageddon. So I think you would have to kind of talk about them in that regard. Um, and this is when I think we're a uh, class we'd be able to really get into kind of production background. Uh, you know, where do movie ideas come from? You know, getting into the kind of history of Deep Impact, uh, tracing that kind of uh, family tree of Spielberg's ideas, the writer's ideas, and where they all kind of uh, coalesced. Um, and also the idea of studios competing to race to production. That's a big thing with some of the movies on my list For here. Sure. Uh, just trying to, you know, oh, we've got a money idea. We need to get it out first, uh, which is a big part of the Hey, H.E. H- Warner
2: Brothers is working on a picture
0: similar to ours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You want to get it out there first. Algiers and uh,
0: Casablanca, right? You don't yeah. want to be the copycat. Uh,
1: fail safe and Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, there's a ton of these. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get the short end of the stick. On yeah, those.
2: speaking of there being a ton of these, Arthur, what, what are some of the other ones that you uh, want to I'll teach your children about in just a minute? Oh, I'm so excited.
1: Um, I think uh, another part of this is talking about industrial espionage. Whoa. I was doing some reading on one of the articles I was uh, kind of a making of Deep Impact, and uh, there are some rumors that Michael Bay and crew may have tried <gasps> to sneak onto the studio lot to what? look at dailies to Whoa. kind of see where Deep Impact was in production and what they were doing. Uh, which ah. is just a fun little bit of if, – if, even if it's just mythology, it's a lot of fun to, yeah. to kind of discuss that idea of corporate espionage. Um, and also a, another big part of this, I think, is just the culture discourse. You know, 98, 99, we're definitely thinking – I mean, the millennium's not far away, and there's kind of that fear uh, ingrained in culture of what if we don't make it past 2000? That was a really big concern uh, at the time. And so looking at cultural impact and cultural mindset to see how that influences – these projects as well um and then over at slash film uh there's a writer there named rob hunter uh, who had a column called seeing double where he actually went through and looked at twin films and so he's got one about armageddon and deep impact where he compares them um he's done this for a number of other movies and then for my examples i want to go back to the early 90s i want to do priscilla queen of the desert and to wong fu oh yeah which right. has that real questionable who did it first you know because they're really very similar projects. Uh, but one's we all know who did it better. Yeah. The one we didn't do. Um, right. Priscilla. Yeah. We're going to do a little animated. We're Just in talk case a... they aren't long-time listeners. Patrick
2: Swayze, second best drag movie, second best dance movie, second best <laughs> ghost romance movie. Yeah, he's great.
0: Oh, Boris Swayze.
2: What's the best ghost romance movie? I can't remember. This is not my joke. This comes from an old cracked article. Okay,
1: yeah, we're not going to debate that because Dirty Dancing is much better than Footloose.
2: I, I I'm with Arthur actually. Um, and there's no better bouncer movie than Roadhouse.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to go with uh, Ants and a Bug's Life. Oh hell yeah! You guys right you talk about those, too? I yeah. think that one.
2: I think I've heard some industrial espionage stories about I that bet. one too. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think Ants is DreamWorks, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. So uh, I think those. still
2: while DreamWorks was still owned by Spielberg too before Warner Brothers did that buyout thing. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, do you want to talk about Matthew McConaughey and Jim Carrey? Because we're going to we're going to talk about Ed TV and the Truman Show, yes, and the impact of reality television in the late nineties. Incredible. Uh, from there, magicians are are the words. So we're going to talk about the Prestige and the Illusionist. Oh, that's right. Uh, Two uh, very different plot wise, but also very period heavy. Magician movies in the same year is really bizarre, and one did much better than the other one. Uh, and then finally, uh, end it with a little rom com. We're going to talk about No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. Yeah, uh, get some Justin Timberlake, get some Ashton Kutcher, some Mila Kunis. Basically, the same phrase. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, same movie. Exactly. So, Interesting. I uh, kind of looking at the background of those, production history on those, to kind of see what came first, how that all played out, and Love just it. really look at this phenomenon. And I think be able to really delve into production as well and the mode of production and the corporate side of production and what goes into green lighting a project. So that's my syllabi.
0: Fascinating. Thank you very
1: much for that. Mr.
0: Arthur Gordon, what are you doing to expand the syllabus there, Dalton?
2: We're going to be doing a a class that's probably going to lean a little bit more uh, sociology than film, but it is probably going to be a sociology of film type course. And we're going to be looking at institutions uh, in uh, upheaval, disrepair, in crisis, uh, moments where uh, the shit is hitting the fan and feet are being put to the fire. Um, we'll probably, uh, some of these films uh, are are based on, if not definitely real scenarios, uh, then at the very least things that could have happened or sort of happened. Um, so we'll probably be reading some historical articles. Uh, we'll probably be looking at some uh, big events. Um, I, I have not caught up with HBO's uh, Chernobyl miniseries, unfortunately. I've I'm heard great either. things. We would probably look at some of that for this course do some readings about Chernobyl, we'd probably look at um, some some readings from around uh, uh, Katrina and, and sort of kind of unpack historically the situation uh, that unfolded uh, on the ground uh, in New Orleans as that was going on, uh, look at a lot of the, the pieces of that story that have kind of fell out of the media eye as it was happening and aren't are sort of ingrained in our historical memory just yet. Um, But a a lot of the films we're going to be looking at share some common DNA. We'll be looking at TV shows, too. Um, But there's going to be a lot of common DNA shared with Deep Impact, um, and and in some cases, um, some shared authorship, interestingly enough. Uh, But we'll start with Contagion, because I think it is a real um, interesting shared playbook with Deep Impact in terms of picking a couple of characters at the center of a large global event, uh, and using that to kind of center the emotion and the momentum of the story. Uh, again, contagion of film that uh, super, super fun to watch right now. Um, I found it cathartic.
0: By fun, do you mean scary?
2: Well, only if you're a big baby uh, who can't handle thinking about their problems.
0: Uh, I am. So you mean scary? Yeah, go to okay. therapy. Don't talk about it to me.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Dustin makes a makes a good point. If Contagion is something that would freak the shit out of you right now, yeah, don't watch it. Uh, but if you know, if, if you think you can handle it. I think it's a good watch. And again, in terms of talking about kind of the the taxonomy of a disaster film, I think it's a great, great, great pairing with Deep Impact. Uh, We're also going to be looking at Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which we've mentioned already. This is kind of the least institution-heavy film or uh, story we're going to be looking at. Uh, But I think it does kind of show us some interesting like social psychology stuff about how people handle uh, catastrophe. Um, and, And again, we'll probably actually, I wanted to mention it early. Uh, but because the next couple of things I'm going to mention are sort of heavy, uh, we'll probably close on Seeking a Friend. It'll be kind of a, like an off week while people are working and getting ready for uh, the tests and whatnot. Um, this, who knows? I don't know, Look, I'm, i can't, thinking about assigning homework just, you know, made me fart a little bit. I don't like it. We're going to move <laughs> on. Uh, we're also going to look at the Armando Inucci film, The Death of Stalin which is a great Institutions in Crisis film. It's a great movie. Uh, It's a movie I've fallen asleep watching three times because I find the patter of the dialogue (laughs) so musical. Um, Because, yeah, Anuchi just writes really kind of musical dialogue. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. But it's very funny and very stressful. Again, a weird movie to fall asleep during because it's stressful as all get out. Uh, but I like it quite a bit. Uh, we'll also look at uh, Failsafe, uh, both because it's got a twin film in terms of uh, Dr. Strangelove, but also because it's a great procedural, uh, a great a kind of into the world catastrophe, watching governments and institutions try to prepare for the unpreparable. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we'll look at some select episodes of David Simon's The Wire, uh, probably some readings from some of his journalistic work, uh, just in terms of looking at American crisis crisis uh, in the aftermath of the, the crack epidemic. This uh, is man. And the uh, the run-up to the opio- opioid epidemic. Um, really could... You know what? Uh, bring back The Wire. It doesn't have to be The Wire. Somebody should make a show like The Wire, though, because uh, The Wire kind of took place at a weird intercession point in the war on drugs. Uh, I don't know. It's a great television show. That's not a hot, a, a hot take or... Uh, you know, something you've never heard before. But I, I think it'll be useful for this class, especially because we're going to try to use uh, film and television text as a, as a sociological tool. Um, I also really want to look at Mimi Letter's work on uh, The Leftovers, a series that she directed, I think, eight to ten episodes of? I mean, like a third of the show's run. I mean, she directed a ton of episodes on the show. Um, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had, and this will maybe be where we get most filmy about it. We'll talk about female directors who've not had success uh, on uh, the silver screen and how they've kind of, a lot of them have pivoted to television and make really interesting work there. Um, Dee Reese, uh, who we all love here, is working on Space Force, weirdly. Um, but I, I find uh, her kind of sadness fits well with that show. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, a show might, we might also uh, view in this class just because I think it kind of handles... Uh, uh institutions in a much different way coming out 30 years or so, almost after uh well 22 some odd years after deep impact uh its view of american institutions is much different uh and i think they'll be kind of an interesting uh, juxtaposition to each other but not something we really need to spend a lot of time on that show uh, i'm much more interested in the leftovers because it kind of gets into the emotional fallout of the end of the world and especially you know this this film ends on well we won't say just yet but it ends on a note that is very interesting and i think the leftovers starts on a note that is very similar to how deep impact ends and i think again because of mimi letter's work on both uh, that'll kind of be a fun bridge but also in terms of looking at the uh, the kind of microcosmic sociology in terms of how human beings process like large scale catastrophe and events uh, i think that'll be really useful so that's the class We're, we have a lot of weird intersections uh, of both the big and the small Uh, and and history and the personal. I think it'll be interesting.
0: Very cool, very cool. You you know, in the universe where it's a real class. So I am entitling this theology course, not a film studies course, using only film, The Apocalypse. You and me do sure love to cheat uh, and use our backgrounds, uh, but only talk about the things we actually like, huh? Correct.
1: (laughs) Hey, write what you know. That's right.
0: And I want to say this, and I've said this before on the show, The word apocalypse does not mean the end of the world.
2: Nothing ever ends, John.
0: Apocalypse means the unveiling. Lips like seeing. Like you remove the veil or the lid from the eye and you see what's going on. It's just simply a change in perspective. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Uh, I Apocalypto. Yeah, you know, uh, there's there's
2: some verses about writing on walls that precede the use of the word apocalypse that seem relevant as context here.
0: Mm, Daniel, yeah. no,
2: if you think about uh, apocalypse as an unveiling, yeah, in yeah, way, in terms yeah, yeah. of uh, the Bible having lots of metaphors for people not seeing the forest for the trees.
0: Correct, correct. And um, so I want to think about the late '90s in terms of that, the apocalypse in the '90s. And I want to begin in 1996 with Independence Day.
2: Mm, yes. Of because what if
0: the aliens come and they are hostile and what do we do? And it is Nothing. about the sort of like insane moment and how do you respond? I mean, I think that the the uh the idea of response itself is sort of what Independence Day is all about. Sure. And uh unlike say a movie like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um they are not beneficent or um, you know, benign in any sense and so no,
2: much like the film Mars attacks, they <laughs> well Or you know, War of the Worlds (laughs) or whatever. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's along all those lines, and so like that's sort of the way in which the '90s kind of begins wrestling with these sort of apocalyptic unveilings, unveiling of there are aliens, we are not alone, and they are hostile. How then do we
2: respond? Roland Emmerich sure did have his finger on the pulse of American uh, monuments being blown up before that was a thing we'd actually had in our brains. Yeah, it was.
1: uh, Didn't we like blowing up monuments in the late '90s? God, wasn't that a great fetish?
0: Yeah, and then. uh, Well, we blew one up in 93, so there was a thing. Um, well, that's a good point. You're right. That does. There was a government building. psychic uh, context in the, in the
2: American public for that, I guess, before the big one.
0: But anyway, uh, moving then from that to 1997 to Contact, uh, starring um, Jodie Foster and Matthew Mahogany, and uh, the story about the aliens have come and they want to talk to us, but what do you do? Do you trust them? Do you build the thing? And... To what extent is this based on faith? To what extent is this based on science? What do you do? Who are you? What are you about? What is What is? What is? What is life? What do things matter? Hey, little green man, it's me, man. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's a movie. I to work at SETI. I'm a scientist. Um, then Bless the Child, the uh, supernatural thriller uh, following the Book of Revelation. You've mentioned this show on the podcast before, haven't you? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's in this one? Uh, Who is in this one? It's I, kind of like a
2: weird cast, It's right? a weird
0: cast, and I'd have to you look it You don't to look it up. Yeah,
2: I, I don't bless actually, the Child?
0: Bless the child. Is that Patricia Arquette? Sounds right. And Gabriel right. Byrne? Yes. I think that's no. Tigmata. No, Gabriel no, Byrne's End of Days, maybe. Gabriel Byrne. No, no. The weird guy with the weird eye is in End of Days. That is uh, from um, uh, Dark City.
2: Oh, I know what you're talking about. This is my favorite part of the show when uh, we reveal that uh, we don't have enough time to uh, just
0: know everything at all times.
2: And we just kind of babble about, oh, you remember that guy from the thing?
0: Yeah, I think it is Gabriel Byrne in Blessed Child, if memory serves. But memory does not often serve. I think it makes us relatable. I don't know. Um is it uh, my or we oh, gonna,
2: I don't know. Oh, god. Okay. Yeah, just just assume cuz he's looking at his phone that he's doing your job for
0: you. Oh, him. I just thought he was like finding <laughs> the finding <laughs> the fount of all knowledge because I was talking. Bless Fine. the child is good though. Huh? Bless the child is good and again it's an apocalyptic revealing of part of what God is doing in the world um as opposed to aliens even though God probably is an alien. Um in as he's not one of us.
1: If anybody cares, Bless the Child is Kim Basinger, Jimmy Smits and Rufus Sewell.
2: Mm. Rufus Sewell. Well, that's as soon as you said Dark City, I was like, he's talking about Rufus Sewell, but I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, all I could think was bad guy from First Night. Stigmata First is Tale. Patricia
1: Arquette and Gabriel Byrne. Told you, Jonathan Price
0: Okay, well I've kind of transposed. And Gabriel Byrne is, is also bit. in
1: End of Days, playing the devil. But
0: I don't think Stigmata does quite the same end of the world stuff that uh, Bless the Child does, and yeah. so that's why I'm recommending uh, plot-wise uh, that film over the other. And then of course. Deep impact. And uh, and with, with its sort of use of biblical language, the yeah. idea of Messiah, and then uh, a little bit of conversation about Armageddon describing the sort of destruction of the world uh, via the the satellite and how that doesn't really fit in the biblical narrative. And then, of course, the book of Revelation. And having a conversation about possible interpretation and what you do with wrestling with that particular text, which may have more to do with enduring suffering and being faithful than it has to do with predicting particular events. Mm, I don't know,
2: brother. I tell you what, if you want to sell a barrel of snake oil, there's no better
0: use for an apocalyptic text than that. I have no use for selling snake oil and making money because birds have nests and foxes have dens, but I am living in a place where I have no place to rest my head. But moving right along.
2: Um, I don't know, Dustin. You're going to have to convince my granny that uh, Jim Baker ain't a good person, I think. You're going to sit here and tell me Jim Baker ain't a good
0: man? I am.
2: Oh, oh, tarnation.
0: Tarnation. Um, tarnation. So there you go. I say. So, fun theological class about the apocalypse that has nothing to do with snake oil, charts, or predicting the end of the world. And how one might encounter suffering and change and conflict in a way that might make the human being more human. That might be fun. So, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Those are our syllabi. Uh, We move right along, though, into the time in which we get down to business. That's right, dear listener. It is business time. We got the socks on and everything and nothing else. Arthur, you're looking svelte today.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Dustin, this is the first time I've ever listened to this podcast. I noticed that you had a great musical tag here and not one for the previous segment. That's just thrown me uh, all out of, you know rotation with your show i'm confused now i did just that to make, just to do
1: that to you just to make sure you're paying attention
2: ah i see mostly because, it worked very well okay i'm like good. when did
1: i start listening to a Fly of the concord cd i don't know but here we are yeah it didn't oh really... wait no we're back to these guys again. wait i was
2: washing the dishes and it didn't why I... is that
1: one still talking i don't get it <laughs> that goes for every episode <laughs> That's true. That's it's true in our synopsis mm-hmm. So
0: let's do some analysis. Um, let's just talk about the phenomenon um, that Arthur was articulating with his particular syllabus and the idea of the double film, the twin film, The uh, what's going on with this. So do we have any other observations or thoughts that we want to sort of pull forward that we'd want to like describe to the dear listener as to what it is that we're experiencing when we watch Deep Impact and we – well, we never watch Deep Impact and we only watch Armageddon.
1: Go ahead, Arthur. I think this one really goes back into the cultural context of where we were in 98. Going to Dalton's point earlier, the thing I I made note of was you you mentioned it being ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. And this sort of existential, thinky version of the... Uh, disaster film feels very much in line with what we would start getting in 99 when everything became much more existential.
2: Yeah. Well, it makes me think a lot of like a 20, like mid
1: 2010 stuff too, in some ways, like, yeah. like
2: Contagion, which is a little earlier, but he also like Arrival in some ways. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, you know, I think in the nineties, especially at this point, you know, uh, as Americans and, you know, it's a very American centric film, uh, and, and more ways than something like Independence Day, which does feel a lot more global. In well, scale. global in that American yeah, sort of Armageddon. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was you know we were at a country that were just we didn't know where we were going next or what was going to happen next. Well, and it's that into history stuff? Dustin talks about right. on the show all the time. Yeah. right?
0: Francis Fukuyama.
1: There you go. Some
2: I I think, uh, I tell you what, uh, I mean, the Jungian subconscious is not taken seriously uh, in, in, you know, psychological discourse anymore. It should be. Well, because, yeah, as I'm about to say, I tell you what, the phenomenon of the twin film certainly does give one credence to think that sort of thing, huh? I mean, even, Arthur didn't even get to, like, 99 to 02. Uh, you've got Dark City, Matrix, um, Existence, like, uh, several movies dealing with you know, the advent of artificial realities um, and different filmmakers and storytellers kind of like trying to parse through these ideas at the same time. And I think you get this a lot. Again, Failsafe and Dr. Strangelove two, you know, one, a very straightforward, very serious, very existential end of the world drama. The other one, a comedy. Uh, again, I mean, honestly, this film is what would happen if Armageddon and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World were the same film. Uh, and again, that doesn't come out for another several years, but it is an interesting pattern. Uh, That again, as Arthur mentioned, you you know, you can chalk some of that up to, you know, corporate espionage and subterfuge, but some of it is, you know, genuine inspiration. Um, And even the, the stuff of it that's not genuine inspiration is bean counters sitting around saying, well, this is the story, the kind of stories that people seem like they're interested in based on these trends. So you have multiple people working on the same ideas at the same time. So even if it is kind of a manufactured phenomenon, at the very least, you do end up with an end product that presents you with, you know, some interesting questions to ask. Some some interesting uh, themes. Oh, excuse me, got a little hiccupy there. Uh, some interesting themes and ideas to mine uh, on the same subject. I think that the the twin film is just useful in that regard, if
1: for nothing else. I think it's definitely more interesting when it is a case of. I I I love the Prestige and Illusionist because mm. that's. I, I don't know anybody that's like, I want to go see a period magician film. You know, like, that's not going to sell but tickets. But apparently it, pers- right.
2: a, it appealed to at least two different screenwriters. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: And, and so I think those those cases where it's very niche uh, subject matter that kind of comes together at the same time is is a little more interesting um, well, then something like Fail Safe and Dark Strangelove right? Where yeah. like obviously nuclear Armageddon is on everybody's yeah, mind Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of where we are with Armageddon and Deep Impact, and and even Ed TV and the Truman Show. Those are obviously very much birthed out of the kind of advent of the Real World and Road Rules and Survivor, and and those show, I think Survivors late nineties right? Survivor hits like right at the same years those films have
2: been coming. Yeah, it's on the cusp. Like, yeah. But your yeah. right, Real World kind of yeah. predates these. There's it's an, early nineties. Yeah, reality. Well, and I think that's the thing that's so interesting, right? Like. Reality shows don't become a part of the common cultural lexicon until really after Ed TV and Truman Show, but because Hollywood's a small town, you, you know, writers know about friends of theirs that have gotten gigs on these reality shows, right? So yeah. it's already something that L.A. people and Hollywood types, like, already kind of know about and are getting to think about and chew on before it is already a thing. And I, I think yeah. that aspect of the twin film is kind
1: of interesting, right? When culture is accidentally, like, a few steps ahead yeah. of itself. yeah. And especially, I mean, and I haven't seen Ed TV since probably the year it came out. Mm. But, you know, The Truman Show's definitely got its finger on the pulse of 98, but also mm-hmm. eerily prescient in 2020. Like, totally. that movie works in a timeless And it fits
2: wonderfully into my 50s or the 90s grand scheme <laughs> of film
1: discourse. Yes. I can't wait for Dalton to write that book finally.
0: Yeah, would you? Yeah, it's going to be a tome. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to something else. Um, paging Dr. Freud. I'd like to talk about your father. Um, or why my father, Jacques Lacan. I don't want to talk about my father. The non. Fuck de- you. What about your dad? The pair. Oh, this is. I see what he was doing now. Um, the nom de pair, the, the name of the father. We got lots of dads in this particular sure. film. And it does seem as though if one is faced with the apocalypse, one must deal with one's dad. Either you're Elijah Wood, and you've got to deal with Richard Schiff. You're Tia Leone, and you've got to deal with your semi-adulterous, semi-cheating, semi-faithful, Flandering
1: slash father. slandering yeah.
0: father. Or your... um. Oh gosh! who's well, your... you are
1: the dad. You're Robert Duvall. You're Robert. You're you're Bo- to... Well,
0: is Bobby Duvall you? Are you Bobby Duvall? Because he's a good. Dad. I mean, as a viewer.
1: Mm, well, I think this. I don't know. I, I mean, that, that kind of gives into the. I really feel like Taya is the audience surrogate into this. I, right. I, I, I was that Bobby is.
2: I was going to agree with Arthur there, but I also think that the Taya or the. Um, I, I, mean, I feel you... like
0: Bobby Duvall's the ideal dad, right?
2: I think the film is kind of centered on. This idea of multiple perspectives in such a way that there is no like one audience surrogate. I think the the film serves to have multiple audience surrogates to try to appeal, I think, to a broader Broader audience. audience, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest something even more meta. What's that? That that dad is all of those dads. Well, because that dad is the sacrificial dad of your teenage heartthrob crushed actress. I forget her name now. Lily Sobieski. Sobieski. That's who? Young Helen Uh, Hunt. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. Totally. Um, Totally, yeah, baby Helen Hunt, oh, yeah. for sure Well, Morgan Freeman also, He's also Richard Schiff yeah. The sort of dutiful, responsible yeah. You know, like these are the rules I'll give you my watch, dad Also the Flanderer dad And then, the, dad the, dad, mm-hmm. and then um, the super idealized You know, super Morgan Freeman,
1: the unknowable president dad Oh,
0: Morgan Freeman dad I didn't yeah. even think about Morgan Freeman as dad, too You're but welcome yeah, But yeah, you're right
1: And James Cromwell, the, the dad who's ready to just Who sucks and then unsucks
0: well, he really sucks. He's gonna just go spend time with his family. What was? It? But the the known philanderer thing was true, right? No, no, no. no. Like he repented. I don't think so. And then like did the time with his family. No, I don't think so. No, Ellie no, no, no. so. was oh. always just the extinction level event. Yeah,
2: yeah. it uh, was just MSNBC like didn't understand the tip that they had. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: He knew about the, that the world was in. He's like, all right, well, fuck this. He's I'm just out of gonna shrug responsibility and go hang out with his family. I'm yeah. Houseboat right. for, I guess, a year and a half or two. Yeah, we stay about two years. It's cool move.
0: Yeah. So bug out, dad, or prepper, dad? I mean, oh, I yeah, or yeah, I mean, Hugh I guess, Jackman from Sir, from Prisoner's uh, Dad. I guess
2: it is definitely an abuse of power, right? It's like a uh, uh, senator insider trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I feel like this movie wants you to suggest or wants to understand that what you've got to do with deal with at the end of the world is deal with daddy. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I think there is a, a certain amount of understanding on the part of the, the movie that, yeah, everybody is always unpacking the relationships to other people to, like, kind of figure out who they are. And, again, I think, yeah, Tia Leone's story arc gets the most time and the most room to breathe. Um, so we do kind of center on the reconciliation with her, her father. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, though, that... One has to reconcile with the father, but one only has to like watch who the mother becomes. Right? I think it's that idea yeah. of making peace. Yeah, but know. she doesn't have to make peace with her mom. Her her no. mom makes peace on her own, yeah. and that gives her the kind of like the the juice to say, "I'm giving up my spot on this plane for somebody else who has somebody that is you know responsible that that, that they're responsible for." Yeah. Right? She gives up the the spot to her coworker as a kid uh, because she does want to make peace with her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is interesting because she has. I don't know. There, there's something about that, like find her mom finding peace with the impending death, that kind of gives her the momentum to uh,
0: keep, find closure in the, with that relationship.
1: I think the idea is, you know, to be at peace, you have to make peace. Is kind of the yeah, you know, right, yeah,
0: and sort of like reconcile all those different things. And I think, you know, you mentioned Morgan Freeman as a possible dad. So Morgan Freeman, I would suggest, is the idealized superhero dad. And Bobby Duvall is not that. Bobby Duvall is just dad getting old. Yeah, he's the corny dad that and, doesn't relate anymore. Yeah. Well, and, and that and the fact that dad gets old. Yeah, dad becomes fallible.
1: And, and dad wasn't, you know... He seems to be the working dad that was probably never home. He's yeah. admitted that he hasn't seen his kids in several years as much after his wife has passed away. Though they seem to have a good relationship. No, they
2: uh, have a good relationship the way that a military family has a good relationship, yeah, okay, which is nobody... I, I may not come yeah. back
1: and we aren't going to talk about it. This there is it pretty is. pretty much yeah. the crux I, of their that's relationship. That's exactly what he fucking says to him. Yeah, we're going to play the, the game. relationship. Yeah, exactly. This is the game. None we'll of us play. may ever come back from where we're going, so we're not going to talk about it either.
2: Yeah. So yeah, yeah they have a air
1: quotes it's not goodbye, good relationship. It's see you
2: later. Yeah, which, you know, it, it, look, there's a sweetness to that, sure, but, you know, it's maybe not the always the thing, right? But he becomes dad to the blinded astronaut too.
1: He does. He does. Reading Moby Dick. To it's him. a
2: very sweet moment. I'll tell you what, all the astronaut stuff yeah, as I'm glad glad they they were think that, I they be on than
1: reading Mark Twain. Arc uh, on the whole is the strongest part of the movie.
2: Well, and this is why, you know, when you guys have been kind of coming in and being like I'd rather watch Armageddon. I'm like, I don't know. I like this film kind of gets uh, again, I only understand the astronaut mindset through the lens of Hollywood, but th- as I understand it, the astronaut mindset of like cool professionals who will get the mission done even though they know they're probably going to die. Uh, I don't know. I love all of this stuff that like they have to sit in their failure for half the film. They have to sit on the ride back to Earth, going, "Well, we have no home to go back to. We we fucked it up. It didn't work. Our plan to save the world just didn't work, and now we just kind of have to sit here and live with that." And I I don't know. It really moved me. John Favreau has barely any screen time in this movie, but yeah. for whatever reason, when this movie kills him, I am deeply moved by it. For whatever reason, I, I just I think all of the beats in this middle half of the film are really interesting. I agree with you, Arthur, about the time jumps being kind of weird. I don't know that the film needed to underline them more or anything, but they just kind of they do feel airless. Well sometimes I, I we agree.
1: get notes and then sometimes we don't. Sure. It's just yeah. It is kinda of hard I to mean, keep up sometimes. I mean three years passes in this movie. Uh I think yeah, yeah, it's is it from three? The, three from the oh, announcement yeah. of the or from the, the discovery yeah. to impact the culmination. Day. Yep. Yeah. I mean and they're just up in space for a year, floating. Nobody knows they're there. Wait, really? Yeah. God, it? It's been like it's like another year after they fail. Is it a year? I think so.
2: That can't be right. It's a
1: year till they launch, and then it's like another year, and then another year or something? I don't think it was.
2: I think it was a year from the announcement to the world that they launched. And then, and then I think it's like a couple of days, maybe even. It's a few weeks a, few it's a few couple weeks, weeks maybe yeah. weeks but not it's more. a while but yeah the, you're right though this film does cover a lot of, and it, the fact that we're having this conversation does kind of speak to some structural it issues it is a the little film.
0: weird like in terms of like yeah, gauging or Parsing sort of out mapping out the, quali- the, the time which
2: I don't hate I do kind of like uh, both in television and film I like an unclear time jump a lot of the time I like when one there's not like a clear delineating scene where ah this is the time jump scene six weeks later yeah it is just kind of a soft transition in, in terms of time I do kind of like because it, it adds just like an error of mystery between scenes where you get to go, ooh, who's? what are the stakes and the relationships now? But I generally like that. I don't know if this film does a whole lot with that potential.
0: So, very good. Very good. I want to put a pin in this, though, and okay. move on to something else. I want to talk about the elegy. I want to talk about the Messiah. Oh, yeah. And the arc And the, and and the, the Ark for crying out loud. Oh, okay, yeah. it's a, It's on the... Okay. So, first of all, let's just talk about the Ark.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Um, it is a nationalistic arc. Yes, yes. Well, so the implication that we get is that America has their own way of building
1: their arc, but every country has some sort of arc. Correct. There's, what, 8 million survivors that'll be saved, and like a million of those are from the U.S. And then, like, I know it's
2: like 250,000. Right? Or no, it was 2 million. It's something like that. Yeah,
1: like and there's two hundred selected so. of academics and yeah. artists. I thought it was a smooth mill, and
0: that was it's, only the Americans. That's right. And like every other country, you're on your own, figure out your own stuff.
2: No, they do. No. Morgan Freeman has a line about other countries. He clarifies. Having, yeah, he goes, we are doing it, and he kind of pauses our way, which yeah. is him kind of like almost tipping his hat at, the,
0: at democracy being... In some ways, inherently unfair. I thought the implication was other countries had other sort of limestone caves and did their own. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. other countries yeah. are on their
2: own. I'm giving this address to the American people. What we're it's doing one is one of the saving disaster of movies
1: you. where they're all Americanized, but this is one that's very American point of view only. We really yeah. don't get to know what's going on globally. Zero, uh, and, which uh, unless you infer it from despite the yeah, Soviet Freeman's helping speech. with the uh, Messiah rocket. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a weird payoff. That never happens. Yeah, very
2: nineties. Very yeah. 90s choice. Because
1: you're token Russian.
2: Yeah, they really should have been at least uh, one Chinese person on that craft, too. Probably one whose France has got another, a pretty good space program, right? Yes, I mean, the ISS was in the air at that, or it was in orbit in yeah. 98, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But the I air was
0: in the air still
2: then. Okay. We, but Arthur's right. Yeah, there is kind of a very, even more than other disaster American disaster
1: films, there is a very U.S. centric. I mean, typically we get montages of what Russia's doing or what yeah. China's doing or what yeah. the world leaders are all saying.
2: Or that cooperation is a major plot point. Yeah,
1: but here it's very Americanized and centralized on. America's efforts alone.
0: But to steal a film title, Russian arc, we have a very American arc here. Yeah, It is totally right. random. It is, yeah, there, we've
2: got 200,000 quality, because you're right, it's a million. It's 200,000 like, pre-selected scientists. And then 800,000
1: spots. 800,000 just randos. Less, yeah. Under the age of 50, yeah. able-bodied, I'm assuming. Yeah, presumably. Yeah.
0: And so like, there's a weird nationalism to this. Yeah.
2: Well, and again, I, there is a weird democracy to it in terms of the... Uh, But there's a weird American democracy to it in in that there is an upper echelon that is pre-selected to be in charge, and then we'll get some of the the rabble in here, too. Right. Yeah, and and the rabble, we'll just like them at random. We don't really give a shit about them. Who got the job of being like, you're more important than
0: that person. No. Yeah, like I that's wouldn't... the
1: thankless job. Yeah, of who, I don't who are want. the
2: engineers that got picked and like the fourth string engineers that yeah. get left behind? Yeah. Right.
0: Well, or like, okay, so you're like the best draft? poet from you know New yeah,
1: Jersey. Yeah, they do
2: mention they're going to be artists. So yeah, do they get
1: yeah. like
0: the last four? But poet I'm laureates? the second best poet from yeah. New Jersey. How do you know I'm not as good at poetry as
1: we your... only want realists, no cubists on on the art. Well, this
2: gets to the very 90s-ness of this film, I think. Right. The and, and this is hopefully is not too long of a detour on the theology stuff you're wanting to get to, but. We kind of got to the the Americanness of the arc. There is a real just like yeah yeah don't worry about it. No no no, it's fine. We've got it all figured out for you. We took care of it. Don't concern yourself. This is all handled. This is taken care of because it's the year nineteen ninety eight, and you know we believe that this kind of soft representative democracy can actually get anything done in any meaningful capacity. Um, I don't know. It is very nineties to me.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the where I want to go with this is that the Messiah is American.
2: Well, well uh, boys, don't you know the center of Jerusalem is the USA?
1: <laughs> I think that's every disaster movie, though, right? Right. I mean, well, I, I, maybe every, every Hollywood movie, movie. yeah, because yeah. we America's see ourselves as the center of the world. Independence Day, yeah. Armageddon—it's always America.
0: Well, and I want to suggest a l- if you I watch know, the I movie, the planet more of a it's, trope of the yeah. Another statement further in terms of this movie and Armageddon. So we're averting Armageddon. Uh We're averting the end of the world. Uh We're averting utter destruction. The way in which you do so is with the greatest signifying emblem of military power, which is nuclear weapons. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what the Messiah of American origin must use is military, you know, again, destructive offensive power. And by so doing, we can neutralize whatever – I mean – And this is our legacy. Right.
2: The Monroe Doctrine, right? Like there's plenty of moments in our history that, that are all about uh, the, the posturing through superior firepower, or the posturing through it at the very least the presentation of firepower. Right.
0: It is and- interesting – and and so I just simply want to point out, like it does give a very particularly militaristic, very empire, very well, I'm gonna say Roman Empire-looking kind of uh, theology, and uh, which is endemic to American sort of civic religion in general. And uh, I don't know if I have anything more to say about it than that. Than just kind of an interesting thing. Like, note. just like, th- hey, by the way, you know the, how you save the world and you cloak it in all this religious language? You do that because you're using nuclear bombs. And so you've got to call it the Messiah or you've got to call it averting Armageddon.
1: Can I just say I'm thankful that they didn't name uh, Elijah and Lily, Adam and Eve? Oh, God. Because there's very much a draft of that script that probably <sighs> oh,
0: that choked me. To I have wretched. Yeah. You know that's what I mean?
1: Too much. Like like it feels- yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, and the the, right there, there's this great uh, article on birth movies, death um, from about two years ago that was kind of a 20th anniversary retrospective that does point out that there is a very much a, uh, you know, the virgin mother, right? Like uh, she's been given this baby to take care of. Uh, yep. that kind of gets into a lot of the That's more children to
0: men than this, but okay.
2: But it's also concerned with some of the, the, the reconciliation with the father stuff that you're concerned with. Uh, again, this is from may of 2018 by a uh, Joff Gerd. Um, I actually read this article when it first came out. I, I remember, uh, this posting, uh, but it's, it's a very solid read over on birth movies, death, just kind of about this films, uh, various themes. That was some of which we're touching on right now, but I, I, I do think that so much of that is intentional and, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I don't find that kind of stuff hokey. I think when you're making an end of the world movie, I think it's interesting to just go ahead and assume people are going to use the language that they have. The Messiah
1: is kind of a cool name for a spacecraft. It is a good name for a spacecraft. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it does it does fulfill it's, the rule of cool. Yeah. I will give you
0: that. Yeah. Are there any of the big thoughts on
2: this movie before we render a verdict? I mean, just uh, that uh, that Hollywood optimism uh, that again feels very 90s to me. Uh, that no matter how much we fail, we'll finally figure it out. We'll we'll figure it out, but also this very again, it's that post racial '90s right where it's like, hey, as an our movie, cool, we've got a black president. Um, and you know, there's a yeah. very interesting story about a studio head like saying something shitty and racist when you know they found out that Morgan Freeman was kind of the first choice. Yeah. And, but 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 it is a very like um, uh, our golden era is right around the corner, right? The Soviet mm-hmm. Union's dead. Uh, we had the Rodney King riot. We figured that out. Things are fine. America is going to persevere and be a great place. And, and again, it's it is ju- the the post Cold War decade starts to feel more and more like the post World War II decade the further we get out from it. And again, I know I made jokes about this this whole episode, uh, but this is kind of honestly, if I had to really make my case for this argument, this film's going right at the top of the list, probably right with. Pleasantville and some of the other films I've referenced when like doing, I mean this one, if I hadn't already done that syllabus, I would have done it today, especially musically. Yeah. I don't know. You know, we spent a a decade parsing through whether or not the switch to digital was a good thing for Hollywood cinema. And I got to say, I think it was, I think Hollywood cinema needed a change in look in a big way. Uh, and and I think there's no pure example of it. than these films from the nineties that look somewhere between a TV show and a 50s movie that's been colorized. Uh, They're just kind of a bland and yet stately seriousness to the visual look of of a lot of these 90s films that does communicate a certain air of authority, a certain air of Hollywood uh, being kind of the the final uh, word on culture uh, in in a way that just kind of communicates America as it sees itself. And And I kind of feel that way about most films that present you know, the government or civil service in any any capacity that that kind of myth making that Hollywood does. It's only natural that that bleeds over when they, they do a story about the government. But this one just feels very, very West Wingy, very Aaron Sorkin to me and kind yeah. of it's 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? Awe for the American system. Um, and, and and maybe it is that big kind of final patriotic shot we go on. As we have not, if you if you haven't seen Deep Impact, we have actually kept it a secret this whole time. The world almost seems like it's going to end, and then it doesn't. But a bunch of the main cast dies, or at least one of the main cast dies, which I think is kind of a cool choice. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: well, I, I was going to go into this as I was thinking about this as you were talking, but this is one of the few disaster movies where, and it, 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 it's a weird thing. In the I think the script itself, where it gets to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah, because we do avert the complete the annihilation of the planet. But we still do get the smaller comet hitting, mm-hmm. which wipes out several million people along the yeah. eastern seaboard. And we, Yeah, if we get a long run time of the film where it does seem like the world's going to end, yeah. definitively. But, I mean, it still takes a pretty big hit. I mean, typically in these sorts of disaster films, you may have a few casualties of your characters, you know, setting raising stakes or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But the movie goes ahead and pulls the trigger on wiping out a good percentage of the country. I mean, it levels New York City, yeah. And the entire eastern seaboard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. just, I mean, D.C., New York, yeah. Philly, I mean, Virginia. I mean, yeah, it's gone, all of it. Yeah. And it is, Atlanta, you're right Florida.
2: Right it's kind of cool how, uh, not that they just picked that as cool, but the way in which the film figures out how to get its cake and eat it too, where it does give you, because, I don't know, you sit down to watch a Hollywood movie about the end of the world, you kind of assume you know how it's going to end, which is, it'll work out. It'll save the day. And to go ahead and have the main plan fail halfway through the movie and then three-quarters of the way through the movie do something really, really dire. Yeah, it is kind of cool in terms of like a plotting and stakes right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. But I, I, there is a real patriotism to that end film where, the, as you mentioned, Arthur, you kind of were trying to keep it vague and review talk. But yeah, they show the Capitol building and it's all... Blowed out, and there, you know, there's cranes yeah. and uh, scaffolding around it, and there's a great speech, and it just feels so fucking bullshit. Right. <laughs> I'm so like, I, I cannot believe in a world in which the entire eastern seaboard of the United States is obliterated, and within uh, the same presidential term, they've they re- they're yeah, starting to no. rebuild. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it feels they've too. They
1: relocated the capital to the Midwest. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I'd, yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, Cincinnati or Chicago probably. Yeah, just somewhere doable. Honestly, Chicago would make a lot of sense.
2: Um, Either Chicago or Detroit. I just find corruption. Am I right? Hey, Cleveland's very funny. Yeah. Uh, we won't call it the mistake, by the lake. It's down from the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we know what it's like to be made fun of as a state. We we we, we, we see you, Ohio. Um, <laughs> all right. I, yeah, I don't have anything
1: else to say about this. I think that's about it.
0: Let's render a verdict. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash?
1: I'm going to say trash. I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't go for this one. Fair enough. I, I'm saying shelf.
0: Maybe it's all the uh, the cool
2: looting that happened this weekend. Uh, maybe it's all the scary pandemic in the air. Uh, this movie really resonated with me. Even for all of its kind of hokiness and corniness that I have pointed out, I... I go for it.
1: You know it's interesting. I watched this at the beginning of the week mm-hmm. and I wonder how mm. my viewpoint would have changed if I'd watched it say last night. I watched it this morning. Yeah. Was, this was a late watch for me.
0: I watched it last uh Sunday. Oh, so yeah. you watched it way way
2: back. Yeah. So let's, yeah, that is we kind of about interesting. The time, then, yeah, yeah. Again, I I've been very emotional this whole weekend, so that maybe that was part of it. But uh, yeah, it both it felt very real to me and very optimistic to me at the same time. That's a hard needle to thread, and I do uh, like it better than Armageddon, if only because it's an
0: hour shorter. I'm gonna say That's trash, as I said to Armageddon. I don't think you need. Did either we do one Armageddon
1: these... on the show? Yeah, we've done Armageddon. Was I on that episode? Yeah. God, they all bleed together. I... We did like a spate of '90s movies with like Demolition Man. And That's stuff. Was I in that remember run. now. I remember.
0: It's definitely watchable, and if it comes on, you should, but don't buy it. Why would you do that? So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I know. I like Mimi Letter a lot. Weird career. Um, That's why I shelved it, but you're right.
2: There's yeah, I got gotcha. you. I
1: was going to bring this up earlier. And I, yes. I, I forgot about it. I uh, just thought about it. You know, she does Peacemaker, right? Before, peacekeeper? Right yeah, before with, this. C- with Clooney? Yeah, and Kidman. And I, I was kind of wondering if... if Taylor Leone's role wasn't written for mm. or with Kidman in mind. That's interesting. Mm. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just a bit of in wondering. Peace,
1: peacekeeper or this in this because she works gotcha. with Cluny Kidman and before. Yeah, peacekeeper.
2: Yeah, I, I really, I, I gotcha. know you're not sure about Leone, and I, yeah, I, I struggle w- with it being early film in her career or the writing, but yeah, I don't know. I, I really like all the sequences where she's gotten a promotion. and She's doing the newscaster thing. Yeah, I kind of dig that. I love it. I do know. Well, I'm, I'm glad we like this. Uh, listener, what did you think about the movie? You can tell us on Twitter at good underscore trash. Much like smoking, Twitter is a habit. People who do it will tell you to never pick up. Uh, but if you're already doing it, we're on there at good underscore trash. If you've got uh, lots of words in your brain like I do, you can send us long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about uh, other stuff that's not a movie of the week. uh You can hear Monster of the Week type stuff, and also just things that we like uh, outside of the show uh over at patreon.com forward slash GTM. You give us a couple of bucks to keep the lights on, uh, and you can get some cool bonus content. Great uh, review, subscribe. We're not on Spotify, but we're in most other podcatchers. Do that thing that helps with an algorithm or something. I don't know. People say that that works. And uh, well, look, we've made vague allusions to what's going on in the world. So, uh, you know, if you're a local, give to uh, BLMOKC or, or, you know, the Bail Project, uh, or you know, what's it called? There's a charity that's trying to abolish bail. You'll, you'll find them. Uh, give to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. You know, you don't have to give money to us. Give money to somebody that actually needs it. But, uh, you know, Patreon's there, too, if you really, really like us. Uh, that's what I've got to talk about.
0: Uh, I'm done. All right. Thank you very much for that, Dalton. Hey, Arthur, are we going to watch another movie?
1: Yeah, Speaking of Patreon, next week's uh, movie is a Patreon pick. From our dear, sweet friend, Brigham. Hey, Brigham. And Dalton, do you know what we're doing yet? I'm just I have no idea. Okay. Uh, This one is one Dalton has lobbied for several times (gasps) over the years. Oh, great. Um, Oh, I think you'll be very pleased. Um, I just heard Dalton's name, so I was automatically unenthused. That's understandable. We're going back to, I believe, 1990. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk all about trauma of war and death and life and where that all intertwines and rung by rung we're going to climb yes we're
2: climbing the ladder baby it's time
1: Jacob's Jacob's Ladder ladder.
0: Nice. I am so pumped that'll be fun I am excited to talk about Jacob's Ladder with you all you keep watching we'll keep talking we'll see you all next time